0: Welcome in everyone to the 38th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast and honestly our first one of the 2021 season. Get your rookies ready. Playoffs may be going on for the 2020 season now, we're very excited about that, but doesn't matter too much for Dynasty. For Dynasty, we're looking forward and now we are going to start this week looking at some of the 2021 rookies, starting with two running backs who... I have actually looked at a little bit before because a year ago, I thought they were going to come out in the 2020 season. In and fact, one of them should have. It. That's a uh, foreshadowing. They are Travis Etienne and Chuba Hubbard, both seniors. Yeah, we're just going to dive right into we did a lot of film review. I've got some statistics on both these guys. I have no idea what Toby thinks about these. We haven't interacted with each other talking about our opinions on these guys, so we're going to find that out live for you. Of course, as always, find us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to say it again. I want you guys to let us know who are the top end players you really want us to do a deep dive into for next episode. Toby, why don't you start it off? We're going to first go with, I think, who is probably regarded higher. The stud, he was knocked out, surprisingly, as his team was a true favorite. Clemson Tigers. Talk to me about Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. So for both of these guys, I've gone
1: through the process of trying to give them an NFL comp of sorts. Okay. And the guy I'm comping this to, I don't actually know if you do know him. So this might be only helpful to our elderly listeners.
0: I'm not good with my NFL history. I'm more Amazing. of a current guy. So yeah, fair
1: enough. Etn reminds me exactly of Maurice Jones Drew 2.0. I definitely know him. Etn, he's pinball. He's explosive. He's strong. I think... For me, he's the number one running back that I would be drafting off the board if oh, it's running backs. But you don't know the others yet. In terms of just guys that have declared, right, mm-hmm. then ETN right now, or at the very least for this episode, he's above Chuba Hubbard for me. Yeah. And by a significant margin, and I don't want to get into exactly why that is because I want to talk more about the downside of Chuba Hubbard, but... ETN, his explosiveness is obviously what jumps off the page. Like When you watch highlights of him, he looks noticeably faster than many of the people on the field. And I get that it's college sometimes you have those top-tier athletes look even more explosive. For sure. I think this is a guy that's going to shred at the combine. He's going to put up some video game numbers, and it's going to get people super excited. I project him being drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. I think he's going to be a late, late, late first rounder. I'm not too sure what team he's gonna to fall to just yet. I don't want to get way ahead of myself and just make a bold prediction that doesn't come true. Mm-hmm. But to me, he's right now he's my RB1 that's declared for the NFL draft. Yeah. I think he's he's explosive enough that he's going to be drafted in the first round. And I feel the same way about him right now as I did last year with JK Dobbins. Is that I'm not sure exactly how high he's going to go in my rookie draft. I'm not sure exactly what spot he's going to end up in, but just in terms of sheer talent, I love how he looks, and he's a guy that I could put over other consensus players should things get switched up. For example, last year, I thought J.K. Dobbins was over Swift for me, and I didn't know how Mm -hmm. consensus that was that kind of wavered at times. For me, I feel the same way about J.K. Dobbins, because this this man is Maurice Jones Drew 2.0.
0: Yeah, we both loved J.K. Dobbins last year, and we both loved Travis Etienne this year, and I also, I loved him last year when I was scouting him, too. A lot of people have him as the number one running back, and really, as far as I know, because I know I'm a lot more tapped into the community and everything than you are, it's him, or I could be pronouncing this wrong, Najee Harris, who is on Alabama, and... It's, it's one or the other for almost everyone as far as i've seen in terms of pre-draft scouting that those are the top two guys there's some other exciting guys too but i believe that the large debate the ceh versus jonathan taylor type debate that will happen this offseason will likely be between these two players okay let's look at some stats for travis etn so in his rookie season, he didn't do nearly as much and broke out in his sophomore season. Then he obviously had his junior season and now his senior season. So let's quickly run through all of these stats for this guy. So in 2018, so this is as a sophomore, and this is obviously the year that Trevor Lawrence was a rookie mm-hmm. and they ended up winning the national title. Obviously a great team. In 15 games, he rushed 204 times for 1,658. So that is an average of 8.1 yards per carry and 24 touchdowns. Definitely some crazy (laughs) stats. And in the receiving game, he wasn't nearly as involved. He had 12 receptions for 78 yards for an average of 6.5 yards per reception and two touchdowns. So amazing sophomore season and obviously was on people's radar immediately. From then to now, he's been very hyped. In 2019... 207 rushing attempts so almost the same for a very similar 1614 yards and an average of 7.8 yards per carry 19 touchdowns a little bit less still a great year slightly worse than the year before in the receiving game however though he in 15 games again had 37 receptions and 432 yards for an average of 11.7 and four touchdowns so he definitely improved in the receiving game and that actually continued into 2020 in 2020 rushing wise so less games this year as almost every college player mm-hmm. will have in 12 games he rushed 168 times for 914 which is an average of 5.4 which is a solid amount worse than the two seasons before and 14 touchdowns in the receiving game he actually continued the trend upwards with 48 receptions over those 12 games 588 yards for an average of 12.3 yards per reception and two touchdowns. Those are just his baseline stats. There's also a ton of other stats that separate ETN from a lot of the competition. One thing, and this is not looking at 2020, in his 2018 and 2019 season, the ability that he had to break tackles was essentially record breaking.
1: That's why I call this guy like a pinball. Because he's just. Just breaking tackles constantly on the field. Arm tackles are never going to bring him down, which is
0: part of what makes him such a complete running back. So this is in his junior season. So 2019, he had a running back broken tackle rate of 41.7%. So on 41% of the time someone tried to tackle him, they failed and he broke free. That is insane. ability to break tackles and you just watch it and it isn't surprising because that's just what he does every single time you watch him play is if someone hits him in the backfield he will break at least to the line and very frequently he'll get hit after gaining a couple yards and if he's breaking those tackles that's why he's getting 12 yards of carry because he's breaking that into the backfield he is easily fast enough to get these big chunk plays. When I was scouting him, some of the things I wrote was that his breakaway speed for sure. I remember there was a pretty viral video last year of him and Isaiah Simmons had a sprinting race, and these are just two insane athletes, and both of them are, well, obviously Isaiah Simmons did run a very fast 40 time. Etienne will absolutely do the same. He's definitely going to impress at the Combine, He also isn't a huge back, so his acceleration is very good in my opinion. I saw that Player Profiler has his height and weight at 5'10 and 200. He said in an interview he's now up to about 210, which I think he's definitely in that range from probably 200 to 210, and I do believe that height is accurate, unlike the second player we're going to talk about actually, but what I really love about Etienne, like you said, is number one, he never drops a ball. When I was watching scouting, I he wasn't running insane routes. You never saw him like deep down the field as a receiver. Basically, his routes were out routes occasionally, obviously ran a lot of screens, and then the route that I like to call the Travis-Kelsey route, where you fake to block, as Kelsey does all the time, and then you pretty much just run right past where the O-line is Little blocking hook. the D-line, and uh, you catch the ball, and you yeah. turn around and run five more yards. Etienne does that all the time. But what I love is that he really never dropped a ball. He, yeah. His hands are sure. There's no concentration drops
1: at all. Not to get too into Chuba at this point, but for me, <laughs> the pass-catching ability is the number one differentiator totally. between these two players. Etienne is going, he's, I mean, the way he catches balls will gain him confidence with his quarterback, with his OC, with his team. It's just going to garner him so much more attention and so much more of the ball than an NFL offense.
0: Mm-hmm. When I was looking at his vision, also on tape, of course, I didn't necessarily like. I don't think his vision when he first gets the ball is incredible. It's not that next level. But I also, it was very rare I saw any glaring issues. Which that's something that you develop a lot. And then the one place where his vision was incredible is after he broke the line and he's looking at the linebackers coming at him looking at safeties coming at him his ability to read in the moment at that time and figure out where's the hole he needs to run to to break to and with his speed he'd often break there way before the linebackers got near that's what really impressed me is once he was downfield his vision was great why don't we talk about what are the hesitations you have with do you have any whether it's size or whatever I have a couple things I think the most glaring one to me is that his yards per carry and efficiency went down significantly in his final season and that especially showed true in their two losses they had they had the one loss against Notre Dame in that game against Notre Dame he rushed 18 times for 28 yards and he, he did have a decent game receiving. But then in also their final game against Ohio State, of course, we saw that last week, he rushed 10 times for 32 yards and only also caught four balls for 64. And for him, that wasn't that great. So basically what that tells me is this season, the offense was running through him. They were losing games when he was not able to produce. Mm-hmm. And also the reason why that doesn't concern me that much is a couple of reasons. One... Of course, Trevor Lawrence is great. Like, ETN definitely benefited from... They had to play the pass. They couldn't stack the box against this guy because in the ACC, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to eat them apart if they do that. But the difference between his sophomore, his junior season, and then to his senior season was, one, the O-line wasn't nearly as good. I looked it up. PFF graded all of the offensive lines and how they did each year and he went from having a top five o-line to especially in the rushing game to having an o-line that was ranked in rush blocking i believe it was like the 75th best college o-line and to, to, good. to drop off that significantly was a huge detractor for etienne but then also they lost T. Higgins, and then in the offseason, they also lost their second wide receiver, Justin Ross, who would be coming out this year and would be absolutely hyped up as a top five wide receiver. However, he has some spinal issues and may never play football again. So basically, this team lost both of their top two wide receivers and didn't have incredible replacements, and that did allow four defenses to play ETN. He was their most dangerous weapon every single game, and so they definitely needed to key on him in the 2020 season. And so the combination of his O-line being so much worse and defenses actually being able to game plan to stop him first and foremost, I think those are the two reasons why his 2020 season wasn't as good as the two before.
1: Yeah, I think that's viable reasoning. My one hesitation is that a team watches his fast twitch muscles which are off the chart and says, We are gonna make this man a scat back
0: and <laughs> scat back alone. Which like I don't it... think they would do that. Yeah, it think would be scary.
1: But I can see a scenario where he's drafted to a team that already has a good running back and he's he's becoming he comes into the league with kind of a Naheem Hines type of usage, mm-hmm. which again, rookie year would be fine. But I think just with the sheer amount of drop in production, it doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me as a fantasy owner. I can see it worrying teams enough that they're gonna want to complement his skill set, which obviously you want a three-down back. Hopefully, you're trying to get the bell out, rookie. I can see him suffering a little bit from some of these bowl games, which I do think NFL teams put too much stock into. Yeah, they are. they definitely do. So potentially, there's overreaction to his inefficiencies at the end of his, where his tape is, mm-hmm. but. I mean, I'm kind of picking for expectations. I definitely,
0: I definitely do think he's likely to get drafted in the first two rounds. I would guess, as I will always guess with running backs, probably in the second round because I hope NFL teams don't spend that first round capital on him, but he will be effective. I think right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. I love his ability to catch the ball. I hope that an NFL team will use him in even more diverse routes because From what I saw, I think he would be able to. A guy like that that can cut in the way he does with the ball in his hands, I think can definitely develop into a solid route runner. So I don't really have such strong worries about that. Of course, I wish he was running a lot of different routes, but he didn't. So I guess that is another hesitation. It's just another one that doesn't really concern me that much. There's not a lot to be afraid of with Etienne. He's going to be good.
1: He's probably... Nah, i will not say it yet because i don't know who's declared but he will be one of the top three safest running back choices mm-hmm. yeah at it's least
0: pre-nfl draft of course yeah we don't have the biggest data point when scouting these guys and yes. the, the biggest data point is how to get drafted a team and spot that definitely is what matters most but just looking at him in his college career he's a fantastic player and i don't think this is a hot take because Everyone is it's excited not. about this guy. It,
1: it cannot be a hot dog. <laughs> it's not. I know it's I don't not. know consensus yet, but this guy is my number one having done a small amount of
0: mm-hmm. Um We're going to have to get to Harris to see which side yeah. of that we really fall on. And uh, who knows, maybe there'll even be a third guy who might jump into that conversation. Why don't we transition here now to Chuba Hubbard. He is a running back, a senior again from the Oklahoma State University. And I expect that he will be much of a more polarizing player among scouts. So what do you think of Chuba Hubbard? Chuba Hubbard, and get this,
1: this is my call. Mm-hmm. Chuba Hubbard is Derrick Henry's vegetarian cousin. Okay? <laughs> so he's going to bring to your squad a lot of things that are great. This guy can ground and pound. We all know about his 2019 explosion of a season. Mm-hmm. 2,000 yards? Are you kidding me? He can do it. He has or had the potential. He can do what Derrick Henry does on the ground. And let me be clear here. He can do what Derrick Henry does on the ground in that you can run him as a big body and get almost always kind of two to three yards. So when you are on the goal line and you want to punch in the back, Chuba Hubbard is the way to go, all Mm -hmm. right? The drop-off from Chuba Hubbard's 2019-2020 to season – is one of the more marked in recent memory when I've been scouting guys in terms mm-hmm. of not just his stats, but actually how he looks in the field. But statistically, and I know you'll you'll get into the actual breakdown. He ran for roughly thirty percent
0: of the yards that he actually did. Oh yeah, right? he he went from two thousand ninety four mm-hmm. rushing yards to this year six hundred and twenty five. And that right. is in a lot less games. But, it's, but it's, yeah.
1: it's fewer games, but I mean it's just a record Um, He only caught caught roughly a third of the catches that he did, Mm -hmm. and because of this, I have him projected, again, very early, but he's going to go mid-90s to me in terms of draft pick order, so I'm projecting... I think that's possible, for sure. I I think he's going to be mid-90s. What worries me most about Chuba Hubbard is not only does he not have those pass-catching hands, but you've seen... Derrick Henry try and catch passes and he Mm -hmm. can do it okay when sometimes he can take screen to the house but once again this is Derrick Henry's vegetarian cousin he does not have the wherewithal to be an active person in the passing game Chuba Harbor 2020 eight catches for 52 yards that is it so firstly you have a small sample size because he's not good at catching the football and when he does catch the football he's not doing anything with it he didn't even pop one big yardage Scream to the house with mm-hmm. any of this. 8 for 52. This for me is the scariest number. And there were a lot of reasons for his lack of production, which I'm Colin is going to get into. But the most scary thing for me is that OSU started to realize that Chuba Hubbard was not a good pass catching back whatsoever, and we're transitioning away from him. And when you are playing in the NFL as a running back, you need this skill set now. The NFL is evolving to a manner that there are going to be very few Derrick Henry type players out there when you can solely rely on your ground and pound. And Chuba Hubbard is just not as good as Derrick Henry. He doesn't have that unbelievable skill set that Henry has. Chuba's still great. And why I still think he's going to be up in the 90s, I can see him going even in the third round, Mm -hmm. is because he put up 2,000 yards rushing. Like, I'm not... I'm not out here saying that this guy has fallen off a cliff and is going to be terrible, but this descent has happened when I do think he should have declared earlier and gotten into the NFL. This descent is going to make it clear to NFL teams he's not a three-down back. He's not a back that has every skill set you need, and because of that, he's going to be drafted later to a team that probably already has a running back, and this is not going to work out in his favor. So there, there, are, there are some red flags for me to
0: chew it okay first of all you talking about he should have come out in last year's draft that is true with every senior running back sure. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry yeah. but like both of these two players Etienne had a solid year and I get that he was going for a championship Hubbard also Oklahoma State had a lot of hype coming into this college season and he went back because he thought they could make a run first of all any parents out there number one your kids want to get into football don't let them become a running back <laughs> And number two, if they happen to be very good, and you didn't follow the first part of the advice, they're a running back, and they just had a very solid college junior season, Declare you force them to declare. Don't let them go back for a senior year. It doesn't even matter if you have a great senior year. NFL teams still are probably going to value you lower unless you absolutely explode, because Running backs have a very short shelf life. Why are you using up one of those years not getting paid? It just doesn't make sense. And especially you run the risk of one, getting injured before you get drafted, or two, like Hubbard did, not having as good of a season.
1: And getting kind of injured for him, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. He also got injured. It's just not, you know, there's a possibility with running backs that you could have an injury that is a huge one and could totally impact the way that Mm -hmm. NFL teams view you. One thing that I'm curious about with your comp is you comped him to, of course, Derrick Henry. I saw that he was listed at six one two ten. He's not that big. He's not 6'1", to me. And the when you say that he's like Derrick Henry, I was like, okay, maybe you saw differently. I don't think I, he's that tall. I,
1: I comp him to that, I mean, while well, also maligning him at the same time, because he's overtly a ground and pound running back. Mm-hmm. And can definitely get the job done in short yardage situations, mm-hmm. which he has proven. And he's still put up touchdowns. The
0: one thing I definitely do like about Hubbard right off the bat is he, especially for his side, like Derrick Henry, and that's why I'm okay with the comp, is incredibly fast once he's going. Mm-hmm. He, apparently, he, I don't know if you know this, he's Canadian. He's from Alberta, Canada. Dude, he's from Calgary. And also... He apparently, before going to college, had a legitimate shot to be a part of the Canadian Olympic sprinting team. Like he is that fast I that they this. were talking about him potentially being in a, the relay or something like that in the 4x100. So he is a sprinter, and I'm excited to see how fast he ends up running mm-hmm. at the Combine. And especially when you take into account his size, like Derek Henley, that's insanely fast. So looking at his last two seasons here, because he didn't really do much before that. In his absolute explosive breakout season Ooh. that was his junior year, in 13 games, he rushed 328 times for 2,094 yards, which was an average of 6.4 per carry and 21 touchdowns. and He also was used as a receiver, caught 23 passes for 198 yards and 8.6 yards per reception. Then in his 2020 season, he rushed In only seven games, so almost half of the same amount of games as the year before, he rushed quite a bit less than half of the attempts, 133 for 625 yards, which is an average of 4.7 and 5 touchdowns. And then in the receiving game, as you already talked about, he only caught eight receptions across seven games for 52 yards, 6.5 yards per reception and one touchdown. I, again, I just want to break down what I saw on tape. So I watched quite a bit of 2019 and 2020. My first thought was, as I already said, he's got really good speed for his size, totally. Once he's going, he's hard to break down. (laughs) And also I really liked the amount of power he has because there are so many times when they are running power runs or inside zone runs where he, like Etienne, would get tackled and that wouldn't bring him down but instead of being incredibly slippery like Etienne is he would grab the lineman that just tried to tackle him and push him into the end zone especially in the end zone he displayed his power and like you said got a lot of touchdowns because of it they could just bull rush him up the middle and he would power his way into the end zone one thing i noticed is that he is not great at adapting his run on the fly i think they Created the hole for him, and he knew okay, they're opening this spot up. I've got to hit it, and he'll hit it with some speed and power. And that's when he was really successful. However, if the blocking didn't go as planned, he wasn't great at switching it up on the fly to take a broken play and make anything out of it. He didn't really do a lot of that, and that easily could be some vision issues. He might be just locked onto that one target and might struggle to sway from that. Also, is not a good blocker in the passing game and with hubbard it really really (laughs) frustrated me because what he kept doing is there'd be some edge rusher coming and his way of stopping it was basically diving and turning his body and basically hitting the player in the shins or feet with his back like that is how he was throwing his body at these guys and if you try to do that to an nfl level incredibly athletic edge rusher they're one either going to blast through you because of how strong they are or just jump over you like he so many times would just jump at a player's feet and it wouldn't stop them at all and he would lead to a sack he's going to take one step over (laughs) it's especially when you're looking at the nfl caliber edge rushers like he cannot block and it definitely will be a problem in the nfl which Like you were saying, he's not that good of a receiver. If he's not that good of a receiver and he's not a good blocker at all, it's tough for him to get the rest. He's 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 not going to be on, yeah, he he just straight up won't be on the field on third downs. In terms of his routes, he almost never ran any outs until his final season. So even though his reception totals and yards went a lot down, I will say his actual route running looks to have improved, which is a bit weird. But other than that, Essentially, all of his receptions are screens. It's like Derrick Henry, as you're talking about. I don't want to necessarily lean too hard into this comp, but those were essentially the only receptions he would have. And you're a big guy. You can get a full head of steam. You're definitely going to get some solid yardage, as he did with those attempts, especially in the 2019 season. But this is the most significant thing. He is a home run hitter, and so is Derrick Henry. It's it's true. He can get stopped over and over at the line because he can't get going. Mm-hmm. Or if he breaks that line, you're not wrong, stopping man. him. There's so many games you see that on tape as well. Mm-hmm. And basically what happened in 2019 versus 2020 is he was hitting those home runs. He was breaking through that line. And how many 50 plus yard touchdowns did he have? I would. I wish was... I actually had pulled up that stack because there is a lot And then, if I look into his stats in 2020, how long was his longest run of the 2020 season? Take a guess. 50? 33. Yikes. So he had his longest rush of the season was 33. He is a home run hitter that stopped hitting home runs in 2020. And if you're not hitting home runs, your yards per carry is going to go down, your success is going to go down, and your opportunity share is going to go down, which it definitely did. So... The way I look at Hubbard is that he could excel if given a good O-line that can open up the right holes for him and he is used alongside someone that is more of the receiver. So he is used like a Nick Chubb where, you know, your fears were that Etienne could become someone used in the way that Kareem Hunt Mm -hmm. is being used. I think that Hubbard will likely be used in the way that zach moss or on the upside end of it nick chubb will be used and he's not as good as nick chubb i'm not saying that at all but if the o-line can open up the right hole for him and he can hit it if he's not playing the entire game he'll hit those holes with bursts and if he can get back to hitting some of his home runs like he can he definitely could have a solid impact in fantasy i think there's a solid amount of places he could go where he could excel i think particularly if he became the Mark Ingram in the Ravens scheme where the defense already has to account for the rushing of the quarterback and the O-line can get it done and open those right holes for him he could probably excel in that role maybe if it was you know if Gus is gone potentially and Mark Ingram is gone if it was JK being the main guy and also the guy used as the pass catcher and then their second guy was someone like hubbard i think he could definitely succeed in that scheme one thing i would say is uh you've given your comp a couple of comps that i had just you know going through my mind i think the downside of chuba hubbard is anthony mcfarland
1: that is the exact guy i was talking about and let me try and glimpse into your mind here because okay. when i was scouting anthony mcfarland mm-hmm. um as a Steelers fan, I was hyped when they took him, because if you go watch Anthony McFarland's tape, you can see a guy who, when he bounces it to the outside, finds a hole, he is gone. Track speed, no one is touching him on some of these runs. He hits that hole, Anthony McFarland, he's just whipping through. He looked like one of the more exciting prospects I saw. He's in the NFL this year, he's with the Steelers. Sure, he's made a couple nifty runs, you know, some good five-yard attempts. He hasn't hit a hole, and because of that, you've got... Benny Snell ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, James Conner looks a million times better than McFarland. Snell looks a million times better. McFarland has looked so bad that Jalen Samuels has been fighting for snaps with him for RB3. And it's not that I think anything less of McFarland. Actually, no, I take it back. I do think less of him because if, in the NFL, it is that autocracy where if you are not actually going and making plays on the big stage, you're just not going to get back on it. And I hear that downside from Hubbard because. If he starts getting stonewalled at the line of scrimmage and he's rushing 10 times for 20 yards and he doesn't hit anything, Mm -hmm. then all the excitement of his 2,000-yard season is swept under the rug and they're just saying, look at the inefficiencies of 2020. This isn't a guy who's going to hit it. Yeah. what I think you're going for. Totally.
0: (laughs) Size-wise, he's about the same. He is listed as quite a lot taller than Anthony McFarland. I think those numbers will become a little closer once we do some – NFL combine testing that we know is accurate, but I see them as a similar body type. I know they're both very fast for how big they are. They're both around 210 pounds. And I do like Hubbard as a prospect more than I liked McFarland, but it is absolutely the same, like I was just talking about. These are home run hitting running backs, and if they're not hitting home runs like neither of them did in 2020. They aren't going to help their team win very much, and they're not going to help you win a dynasty championship.
1: I also think, just in terms of one more comp, that's, I think, ETN reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones. Hmm, I could see that, really for sure. A really confident pass catcher can be getting those five to seven yard rushes with extreme frequency, but still has the ability to go for those juicy runs.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty, like, I'm going to my comp now, I think... The guy that jumped off to me because he's so slippery and he's so yeah it's kamara he's used a lot as a receiver and he definitely can be a very effective rusher too we know that with both of these players but there is the fear like you said that he might not get the entire workload but if you're a player that's that good you can still produce for fantasy regardless as kamara has for years i think that was the easiest comp i'm sure i'm not the first one to say that but That was the player that jumped off to me as Etienne can definitely be a Kamara type. That's it. That is our first two rookie spotlights of this offseason. There is going to be a lot more to come. As always, though, before we finish off this episode, we're going to now get into my Dynasty Buy of the Week. So I'm going to be giving Toby five hints. They will progressively get easier for him to guess who this player is, and it's a player that I think is a good trade or dynasty startup target for you to go get right now here we go with clue number one before the season fantasydata.com shows that this player was being taken 32nd off the board in dynasty startups and that's not in superflex so in a standard league dynasty startup he was before the season being taken as the 32nd player okay that's pretty valuable stock for a Start up here,
1: looking in the third round there. Strikes me as high-caliber wide receiver. Give be running back. I shall go with
0: Keenan Allen. He's not Keenan Allen. Okay. Second hint is that this 28-year-old is locked in as his offense's number two option with his contract going through the 2021 season. So he still has a year on his okay. contract. He's the number two option. I don't yet know if this is wide
1: receiver or if this is running back. Kareem Hunt. This is not Kareem Hunt. Damn it. I felt that was a good guess too, mm-hmm. but they definitely wasn't the third round. So in fact, a bad guess given <laughs> yeah, two. You need both ah! hints. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, here's my third hint. In the second half of the 2020 fantasy season. So from week eight to week 16. This player only scored more than 11.6 PPR fantasy points once.
1: Okay, Another great end of the season. I still don't know why back alive. Locked in number two option. I'm trying to think of who is going to align with this and also be a third round draft pick. And I'll admit, having not mocked in a while, it's hard to think of. Off the top of my head, mm-hmm. like, I'm running through people who have drafted in third round.
0: Um, yeah, well, at least you can know that this was the ADP before the season. So, yeah, it's before the season. But yeah, I know it's been a while, for sure. Chris Godwin. I like that answer, but it's not Chris Godwin. I'm struggling. That's okay. Uh, I think I decidedly, with, you know, season two of this segment going on, made it a little tougher. Yeah. Um, you know, Withheld the position until now. Okay, I like it. In both the 2018 and 2019 seasons, this wide receiver was number one in passer rating when targeted. Tyler Lockett. It's Tyler Lockett. I thought... I even... I even...
1: <laughs> At round two, I was like, Tyler Lockett. No, nah, I don't think I'd take him in the third round.
0: I don't, I don't know why I have that thought. Uh-huh. I don't know why I that I was a bit surprised it was that high as well, to be fair. I thought... He was a bit later. But but. I think
1: it makes sense because when I when I think of Seattle wide receivers now, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett
0: make things so much more difficult. But I think free the dead. Yep, okay. No, those are good clues. My final hint was that in week seven, this wide receiver scored more fantasy points than any player did in any week this season, besides of course Kamara's week sixteen. <laughs> so Nobody else besides Kamara had as big of a blow-up game as Tyler Lockett. Yeah, so the reason why I like Tyler Lockett is largely because of that one hint, is that between week 8 and week 16, he had disappointing performance after disappointing performance. I'm pretty sure he had two games in that stretch that were between 11 and 12. He had one that was at 21 against the Cardinals, And besides that, he was single digits for five of those eight weeks. And he was incredibly disappointing. Basically, I think that if you are a fantasy manager and you have Tyler Lockett, he completely let you down in the second half of the season. And also, as you said, the perception now is absolutely DK Metcalf (laughs) is the number one and Tyler Lockett is a clear number two. I obviously agree with that. But that doesn't mean that he is not incredibly valuable. Just he, go watch his Week 17 performance this yeah, year. He did have a great Week 17 performance, and I expect that he'll probably do quite well this playoff game, because Jalen Ramsey will be all over DK Metcalf, and he will be the wide-open wide receiver. And likely, I think the Seahawks will win that game and play even more, possibly having a few good performances could change perception quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want Tyler Lockett now because I think he can be a solid wide receiver to next season and beyond. Who knows, maybe he'll be on a different team, maybe the same. Either way, I like the talent of Tyler Lockett. He's not super old. And I think that probably before week 17 was the best time to buy him, but now is still a great time.
1: I agree with that. And I think regardless of playoff performance if there's a way you can get him in the offseason while people are still all aboard the dk express as they should be they will tyler is still unbelievably valuable mm-hmm. and that week 17 performance like his catches were special and like he, he, he comes he's in clutch. russell looks to him when he's shuffling out of the pocket which he does a lot <laughs> so i agree with this
0: play. that's it everyone that is our 38th episode of the deep dive dynasty podcast as always Find us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. And I'll say it again, let us know who you Mm -hmm. think we need to scout for next week. We're going to grab another two players, likely of the same position. So at least give us one. Who do you most want to hear us dive deep into? Thanks so much for being here, Toby. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. See ya.